Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. craving a community of like-minded women? Do you feel like an outsider in your family or your community? Well, I may have the place for you. We have a Free Birth Society private online community that's full of radical and wild women just like you. If you resonate with the topics that we explore on this podcast and want to belong in a circle of women who support each other in the self-exploration of free birth and wild mothering, come join us. You can apply online at our website, freebirthsociety.com. It's where myself and my team are hanging out these days, and we would love to get to know you. to be sharing this interview today with the lovely Genty Fell, who you could say comes out of the closet about her free birth on today's episode. Genty was thrown into motherhood with an accidental pregnancy, and while she did have a wonderful birth, she was left less than satisfied with the treatment by her midwives. Then, practicing conscious conception to call in her son, she finds herself deep in her own shadow work to prepare for her new child. Genty shares openly about the highs and lows of being a public persona online and keeping her plans to free birth private. And of course, she shares the beautiful story of her son's peaceful, outdoor, family-centered free birth in the water. Okay, so I grew up in a pretty big family. My mother had six children and I knew my whole life I really wanted to have kids um, and I knew I would. I, I really wanted that and mm. I've been with my partner for a few years and it's just something we had never spoken about. Like, Wow. He, like I knew yeah, but not in a mysterious, like off-topic sort of way. It just wasn't a priority. We just, I knew he'd want to have kids and he knew I did, but we never spoke about having kids or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, which all of my friends that were like, no, that's weird. Like we do, we talk about it all the time. Right. And, um, I think in Chris's head, he was just like, when it's the right time, we'll talk about it and it'll be awesome. But He's like, I don't really, we just didn't, you know, but um, we were traveling. We'd left Australia. We were two weeks into this backpacking trip and we were thinking we were going to travel sort of like around the whole world for maybe a couple of years. And it was something that we'd like left uni to do, like university. Mm We'd... We'd worked so hard to save and um, prepare for this sort of trip and we were two weeks into this trip and I was actually, no, yeah, two weeks into the trip and I fell pregnant. Oh, my God. 
oh yeah, we were, in, in <laughs> wow. we were in Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. So we were in Indonesia and um, by the time, like when I found out I was pregnant, we were in the States actually. It was the day after my 25th birthday and we had been at the Grand Canyon and I hiked down into the canyon and at that time I was so fit and healthy and I was so sick. Mm. I, I was like, what is wrong with me? I cannot, like, this is crazy. It was a super hot day. And I knew in my heart then that something was up, but I never consciously, like, allowed it to surface where I was at the point of realisation that maybe I was um, pregnant. But I'd say this is where my mothering journey really began. (laughs) Um, And... I wish I could say it was like this excitement, just right. acceptance, um, complete surrender, but it was truly the opposite of that. <laughs> it was, um, oh, wow. I resisted that for months up until I was about literally like four months pregnant. I sort of came to terms with the fact that we were having a baby and that I could start looking at it as a really more enjoyable and beautiful thing as aside to just being like in complete, just in shock and resisting um, well, and you what didn't, was coming. Yeah. I mean, that is a really big deal to ha- to be pregnant when you didn't want to be or plan to be. I mean, you know, even though that is how most babies seem to be created I don't think it takes away from the reality of how absolutely shocking it would be to integrate a completely life-changing new reality inside of your body that you didn't want to have happen like of course eventually you wanted it and blah 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 you love your kid but the initial part (laughs) you know of of not wanting it or thinking you were calling it in or or desiring that to have that happen to your body is a into your life into your relationship that's a very very big deal yeah that feeling of just knowing a human was inside of me and it wasn't yeah that was just the wildest thing to me and something I just struggled to connect with for a long time I, I, I want to actually say that we had no idea about anything to do with having babies I cannot I mean we knew how to make a baby yeah but obviously. <laughs> actually having children I've got three older sisters um None of them have had children. None of my friends have had children. Chris had held a baby before, a couple of weeks before our trip, and we just didn't know much about having children. Um, I So upon realising that I was pregnant, I in my head I was like, what do we do? Like what do we do now? And mm-hmm. we were like, well, I suppose, like maybe we have to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And we were in America and so we were just like, well, how do we even do this? And it was just a bit of a confusing time and we ended up finding a doctor that would see us and I remember I sat in the car. We had this little hire car and um, 
this I sat in the car and I couldn't go inside I just bawled my eyes out Mm. like and Chris was trying to console me and just calm me down and I was unbelievably emotional and I I don't already got a doctor like going to a doctor was a big thing for me um and so it already stresses me out mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and had so, you heard had you heard about midwives before no okay. uh, I'm sure I knew what a midwife was okay. but um I knew I mean in my head then from the moment I knew I was pregnant I was like well obviously we'll have a home birth so I must have heard a few different things you know um mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, we'll go to the doctor. And I went to the two different doctors actually because the first one, the first place didn't work out. They couldn't see us. But they did say to me like, obviously, you're going to have to go home to Australia now. You need prenatal care. Like you need to take responsibility sort of thing. Oh and um, and literally was just like, yeah, so you certainly need to reconsider your travel plans. Um, and so the second doctor I saw all she did was give me a pregnancy test, basically, and confirm that I was pregnant. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I know. I was like, really? You're like, this is <laughs> <laughs> um, So we left there and I was way more of a mess than when we went in because I was yeah. certain we were pregnant, which I already knew that. And then I had started already just being fearful about what was going to happen. We were in a different country. We had all these plans. And in my heart, I was like, I want to keep traveling. Um, Can I do that? Is that a thing that women do when they're pregnant? Is that allowed? Like, you know. Um, And so I remember a couple of days passed and I think we're in Colorado and I I eventually obviously called my parents and they love having, they love children and they've had six children. So I remember I called my dad crying sort of just sad. Like I was just confused and he was really happy. I remember his response was, um, I'm so happy, but I don't know what to say because you're really sad. Um, (laughs) So Um, But anyway, I spoke to them. That made me feel a lot better. And my mum, I clearly remember her saying to me, she's like, Jinty, this is what you are designed to do. This is the most normal thing in the world. Like you can trust yourself and you can travel if you think, you you know, if you want to travel, you can travel and it's okay. Um, And that really helped because I was like, okay, I've got this. I can make decisions for myself, you know. So we travelled. I travelled up until I was seven months pregnant um, and I flew back from South America via like a long flight, which was a bad decision, Um, back to Australia and we didn't have like a place or anything to live and it was a bit of a stressful um, time just wanting to sort of nest being, I think it was about 32 weeks when we um, moved into our unit and I went to see a midwife for the first time. Um, I will also mention that in that pregnancy I did have two ultrasounds. Um, I had one in Peru and one in 
Colombia, actually. So that was interesting experiences. And that's interesting. Um, so you had, so you sought them out. It wasn't like you were seeing, you know, one consistent person that was like, this is just what you do. So what about, what about those stages of your pregnancy did, you know, had you seeking out ultrasound? The first ultrasound that I got was at, I think I was 16 weeks and I'd just been on a five day hike, um, overnight hiking and it was quite strenuous. And after that hike, I said, like, we felt the baby, I felt her moving for the first time, um, really much more stronger. Like I'd felt fluttering and stuff like that. And for some reason in my head, I was like, I want to get a scan. I want to get an ultrasound. I thought that that was just a part of the whole process of being pregnant and something that I didn't really question. Um, And so we went and got that done. And the doctor at the time, um, he noticed that there was in the ultrasound a blood clot around my placenta or something, he said. Um, I don't speak a lot of Spanish and he did not speak a lot of English. Oh, no. it was, um, yeah, it was interesting. And then he told me that I needed to get another ultrasound um, later on in the pregnancy to make sure everything was okay and whatnot. So that's the reason why I got the second ultrasound. I was about, I think, yeah, I was about 26 weeks pregnant at the second one. And, um, yeah, I really, I really didn't enjoy the second one. It was a lot longer. It was done by um, an American woman in Colombia at like a private clinic and I just, we didn't enjoy it. And that was all of the prenatal care I had leading up to when I got home at 32 weeks and went to see a midwife. Hmm. Um, so I sought out a private midwife clinic uh, where we were living and I was really nervous to see someone because I thought I felt a degree of shame. I think that I felt bad, like I was being irresponsible because I hadn't had ongoing care like Mm. most people had had. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, they're going to think I'm a bad person or I'm not, I don't know. It was, yeah, so I I saw her and I ended up not being like we really wanted to have a home birth, but by this stage we financially it wasn't an option for us after we'd been traveling and um yeah, it was really expensive to have a home birth through the midwife clinic. And so where we came like we found a solution really was to have our birth in a birthing center as a, like I would just rent the birth room and have a private midwife. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been someone really drawn to being in water every time I'm sick, slightly unwell, or just feel down, like I want to go for a swim or have a shower or have a bath. So I thought I really, really wanted the option of having a water birth in case that's what I decided I needed. Mm-hmm. And so having a private midwife um, guaranteed that that would be an option. I'd have access to a birth pool. Whereas um, if I went through the public health system, you, know, it's, you don't really know what you're going to get. 
so I, I saw her leading up to having my daughter and every single time I saw the midwife, I, I remember thinking like, why? <laughs> what, what are we doing now? Mm. And then every time I left, it just sort of felt like a waste of time almost. Like I didn't learn anything from it. Everything was fine. Um, the only thing that I really got from it was worry. I would start worrying about dates and mm. time frames and stuff like that. And I, yeah, I remember I was 40 weeks. It was like my, like my, my due day. And when I saw her, I think on that day, she was like, you know, we're going to have to start talking about what happens if the baby doesn't come soon. And mm. that that was the biggest uh, worry I had was just meeting someone else's um, time frames and stuff like that and being like, what if I don't go into labour? Um, what happens? I don't, I want to go into labour on time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, labour started uh, when I was, I'd been pregnant for 40 and five, 40 weeks and five days and it's the day that I thought I would go into labor my whole pregnancy. So <laughs> I, I was just like, it's this day. I, I told my whole family like months earlier. Um, and so we had the most amazing labor at home. It was, it's like the best experience of my life, to be honest, that um, labor. It was just Chris and I. And I started getting like really regular consistent tractions, contractions um, in the afternoon, um, the day before I gave birth. And then I labored all night just from our bathroom, bedroom, and Chris would be with me. And then other times I'd be like, I just want to be alone and he would sleep. And it was just, I lost all sense of time and space and it just felt like Chris, our baby, and I Hmm. in just this bubble and everything else sort of melted away and we were just in this different sort of place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And But all the while needing to eventually go somewhere else, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew that we would have to leave, but I was just this zone that it wasn't something that was, you know, I was thinking about or anything. Um, But there was a point during the labor where I was holding on. There was some fear there and I just wasn't releasing. Mm. And I realized that the only way out (laughs) was to surrender to surrender to what was going on so I decided to do that and labor progressed really quickly Mm. from that point it just was very intense and contractions on top of each other and I was just um in the shower on the ground and I remember thinking I'm going to have the baby here (laughs) and then (laughs) the hot water ran out and I was like, like never okay, we're out of the shower. <laughs> yeah, we're up. Um, yeah. And I I got out of the shower and I, the midwife just lived down the road from us. And I said to Chris, I was like, if, if you need to call her now if we're going to leave. And I'd said the same thing to him a couple of hours prior to that. 
because my mum was going to be at the birth and he said it was really strange. I would just say to him, I wasn't speaking or anything throughout the whole time and I just said like, let my mum know she needs to leave right now. And then later on I was like, the midwife needs to leave. It's so strange how you can just know mm-hmm. what is needed in um, labour. And so they arrived at the same time and the midwife asked to check me and oh, I wish I knew what I know now. But I, I said to her, I actually said, like, I'm scared for you to check me. <laughs> and she was just like, why are you scared? That's silly sort of thing. And she checked me and was like, okay, we need to leave now if we're going to get to the hospital in time. Um, so that car ride was definitely the part of my entire labor big out of that ex- entire experience that was what I remember as being the hardest most <laughs> it was yeah. not nice and I started transitioning in the car yeah um and yeah I'll never forget <laughs> that experience being in the car and then we got to the birth center or the yeah the birthing suite where I was going to give birth I we went in and I started needing to push. I thought I was needed to poop actually. And it turns out, you know, I needed to start pushing and they were just filling up the birthing pool. And I said to Chris, like, I need to get in there right now. And so I got in when it was filling up and I love, I love the pushing part because I knew the end was sort of in sight. I'd sort of and I felt a lot calmer. I had bigger um, gaps between the urge to push and I was really quite rested and Chris and I would just, he had his arms right around me so I was just like looking into his face so it still mm. sort of felt like just him and I mm. and we could have sort of been anywhere. That's what it felt like. Um, and I only pushed with Aya for 20 minutes. Um, and I remember her head was nearly coming out and no one realised. And I said to Chris, can you see her hair? And he's like, what, really? And he had a look in the midwife. I remember there was two midwives there. Um, one I'd never met before. She was a part of the private midwife clinic though and my midwife. And they laughed. They were on the other side of the room and they laughed. And she said to me, oh, honey, you're going to have to do a lot more to get that baby out. And what? I, she said it jokingly. Not funny. <laughs> I don't know. Not funny. <laughs> and I sort of was just like, what? I, if, I remember thinking if that is not the baby, what is that? <laughs> like what? Fair enough. And yeah. The next push, her head came out and they sort of ran over just really surprised. Oh and then God. it all sort of, you know, happened from there. And I think the next push after that, I birthed her body and um, that moment was so, I don't even know, it was so intense and powerful and it just Chris was there with me and mum was there and, like that was the most intense feeling I think I've ever felt just becoming a parent, like 
just this little human just came out of me. Like, are you yeah. kidding me? What is life? Um, it also, it just, going back to the midwife comment, it, it just, yeah. it makes me always, obviously I hear these stories and comments all the time from, from women. And like, it makes me feel like, had they never attended birth? Like, had they... I have been to so many births and I have never not been surprised. Every single birth I've ever been to, something in it has surprised me and taught me and humbled me and blah, blah, blah. Like it just, I hear these stories about from hospital staff or midwives, at, you know, where they don't believe the birthing woman talking about what is occurring in her body. It just makes me think they must not have been to a birth before like how have they not been surprised it just blows my mind yeah it was now I've given birth and know how you know intense and strong a woman's intuition is particularly during birth there's nothing more powerful I yeah I'm completely I don't understand yeah just another Um, way of kind of silencing and 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 creating some sort of hierarchical, you know, power dynamic. Um, and I don't, you know, they don't even realize they're doing it, that that's so how silencing and how totally incorrect, obviously, because then your baby came right away. Yeah. And I think the a big thing that we took from the whole experience with having a midwife and also postpartum, just how she helped us or how she went about trying to help us and support us I should say it was really disempowering it was a lot more to do with her and her feeling like she had this purpose in place and that we needed her Mm. um and she wanted to feel that I really I really think she wanted to feel needed and um by doing that and how she went about trying to help me um it just made me feel really, I wasn't confident and I was, I didn't trust myself as much as I should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um, such an important piece to, you know, to, yeah, talk about and, and reflect on and share with other women. Absolutely. It's something I've, I've said often is I would never have a midwife um, or anyone be with me in a birth that thought that they were needed. You know, it's like that, that yes. element right? Like them thinking they're needed is already um, the wrong dynamic to enter in a yes. what should be a space of servitude, right? I really like that. That's I feel that really strongly because I think when they feel like, you know, they want to be needed, their intentions aren't quite right in a way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so... So you left, so you leave that birth experience kind of being like, huh, (laughs) okay. Like feeling obviously, hopefully very wonderful about your birth. But then as it sounds like, as you were reflecting on the midwifery side of it, feeling, I heard you use the word disempowered. Not at the time, at looking back, this is on reflection. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the time I thought, at the time I was absolutely blissed out just had the best experience of my life. I thought, could it get better than that? And Chris and I were just, it was like a sense of euphoria I felt after that birth. So 
um, it was a very positive experience for me in lots of ways. And then having gone through having my second child and going through that pregnancy and the lead up to conception, I really reflected more on mm. our first experience with our daughter and sort of saw it from in a different perspective um, from a different yeah angle I suppose mm-hmm. okay yeah from the time of having her um, at the hospital we were literally checking our watches because they had a minimum amount of time that we had to stay before they would let us leave <laughs> and so we were literally just like waiting to leave and then four hours later we were out of there <laughs> as fast mm-hmm. as we could um so we got home and I remember saying to Chris, holy, like we could have done that ourselves. <laughs> and the worst part for all of us was going in the car. And I was like, imagine if we didn't have to leave. Imagine if it was just you and I, mm. uh, like we could have done that ourselves. And he was just like, I know, like do people do that sort of thing? Like next time, like let's just do it ourselves. And mm. Which you already did, just, right? Like you, you yes, only can birth yes. by yourself, right? Like, you know, it's, so it's it's kind yeah. of I always kind of laugh at that because it is, and I've had the same I've had the same um, epiphany, you know, and, and I laugh at it for myself too of realizing that regardless of who you have around, if you want to birth your own baby, meaning not have the baby delivered, meaning not have it cut from you and not have it pulled from you, if you want to birth your own baby, which you did with your daughter, and then obviously again with your son, um, nobody else can do it. So then everybody else is truly just spectators. And so I love how many women are leaving their births, realizing, um, yeah, that they already did do it by themselves. Yeah, it's definitely empowering to have that realization. So after we we had that conversation, we never really spoke about giving birth again, you know, like it wasn't something that we continuously spoke about. We were just so blissed out and we just thought we'd had the best experience ever and instantly we were just like we love giving birth. Like I love giving birth. Chris, it was the most amazing experience of his life. He was on the biggest high himself and I think he really started viewing women really differently in lots of ways she obviously changed our whole lives like as they do do to their parents (laughs) and um we ended up deciding to well Chris just we just love being parents so much but he was studying full-time again after we'd gotten back from our travels and working full-time And it ended up being like I was just, I wasn't satisfied. I was like, surely we can parent differently. Surely there's this other way that we could um, all be together as a family um, more, you know, instead of Chris just getting home at night and then would have a couple of days a week together. And I could see how much she, she needed him and how much he would benefit from being around our daughter more. Um, And so we ended up selling all our stuff and buying a van and starting, beginning traveling again. So we were in like a motorhome sort of thing and we ended up traveling with um, our daughter from when she was 10 months old um, to, well, we're still sort of going in now Mm -hmm. and she's, 
um, she'll be three and a half in a couple of months. So, yeah, life started looking really different after having her um, than we expected it to be. I was sort of thinking, you know, do we let's buy a house now? That's what you do, right? Like, <laughs> let's settle down, um, be responsible. We're not going to be traveling anymore. And then, you know, that didn't happen. You came back to Australia to have the baby, but you traveled for seven months and then had the baby. And then at what point, I mean, I know a a little bit about what your life looks like now. So at what point do you like click back into we're on the road, we're a bus family or whatever, whatever, however you identify. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I was spending a lot of time alone at home and Aya was, my daughter Aya was sleeping, you know, a lot as newborns do. And I started being just not, I just didn't feel content. And I was like, this isn't for me. Staying at home with my daughter isn't for me. Um, I know some mothers just, love being stay-at-home moms but there was something inside of me I just was kind of miserable and I was like I can't do this it's not the best thing for her and so we started looking at different options and stuff then and then you know we sold our car and brought a van and Chris started working on it and so yeah we transitioned into traveling sort of being on the road full time when she was 10 months, but we'd spent a couple of months just going on little trips to see how it all went. And at this stage, we didn't have much money at all. We weren't working online or anything. So it was sort of, it seemed a little risky and we weren't sure how it was going to work or if it was, but we thought. Like all great um, adventures. (laughs) Yeah. So we thought it was sort of, we didn't know if it was going to be something kind of temporary or something long-term. So it ended up being obviously a bigger decision than we could have realized, but yeah. So we were traveling for a few years before I even, not a few years, probably two years was when I started to think, maybe we will start talking and thinking about having another child. Mm. Um, not a part of me was interested in having another child for a, like, yeah, two years after having Aya. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I, yeah. Resonate, I resonate with that. <laughs> yeah. I have, yeah, a lot of girlfriends that I just like, ready to have babies again and after a I was like whoa how this is no it's funny though because I'm three weeks postpartum and I get it now and it's terrifying me no you're clicked in it's on (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um yeah Aya was two years old and um I wasn't, like, I didn't have my period again. Um, so it was two years and I just, it's the same time I realised, okay, I'm probably starting, like, I'm starting to think about having another baby. And then I was like, well, I need to be getting my cycle. Um, and so I sort of really sat with that and um, 
I meditated on it actually a lot. And then the next month I started bleeding again mm. and I was like, okay, I know it's time to, to yeah, it just felt really right. Um, but by this stage we were so sick of living in a van <laughs> that <laughs> we were just like, it was just the most awesome adventure, but at the same time it can be really hard. And we were like, we need a break. And we ended up heading over to Indonesia and we were there for a few months and I just wasn't feeling that well. I really wanted to feel super healthy and um, really grounded when I conceived. And I just wasn't feeling very well at all. I think we were we around really poor air quality. We were traveling a lot and I felt a little stressed and unwell, to be honest. So I was like, I don't want to conceive. It's not the right time here. And our daughter was conceived in Indonesia. So I thought, oh, maybe both our babies will be made over here. And no, pretty soon into that trip, I was like, I, I'm not ready. Um, so we traveled for a couple of months and then came back to Australia. We got a, a home. We rented a place for three months. It was the whole winter and it was so peaceful and beautiful out there. And we would just go to the farmer's markets and buy organic produce and we were just really nourishing ourselves. Um, and I was at the point where I was like, okay, we're good. We're good to go now. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's so, that's so yeah. wise, you know, and that is conscious yeah. conception is, you know, connecting with that and, and really tuning into what feels, um, like the right time and creating that right time and the action steps towards that right time and, and living with consciousness. And, um, you know, I love it because so many people, you know, we grow up hearing, Oh, there's never a right time and you're never prepared and fuck that. Of course there is, mm-hmm. you know, there absolutely is. If you choose to create it, then of course there can be, um, a, a, a quote unquote right time to, to call a pregnancy. in. so I love that you listened to that and didn't get so, um, caught up in the the romantic you know side of of the you know concept that the other baby was born was created in Indonesia or that that was the time you thought you'd do it and um yeah to me that like really encapsulates the concept of conscious conception yeah that was important to us this time and with Aya our experience was obviously what it needed to be it's how it all unfolded but I wanted to go into this next pregnancy very much as consciously as we could really. Um, I didn't want it to be a surprise <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so what happened around his conception was I started to feel really incredibly sensitive. I, I'm a really social person usually and I'm out and about and I love like chatting with people and stuff like that. And I started going really pretty much the opposite and I didn't really want to leave home much. I felt so sensitive to everything going on around me Mm. and I would just stay home. It was, we were on a big property and I would just meditate and I really wanted to be alone a lot. And so I was, but I was feeling really good as well. And 
like health wise and so yeah leading into conceiving him I was praying a lot for his I just we felt he was so ready and we had for a little while and we just knew it was our son and it was just I never experienced anything like it before and then we conceived him and that same night when Chris was going to sleep he had this really strong vision of his him holding his son and he like looked into his son's face and yeah it was a really special time when he was conceived for us so but in saying that you know uh, however long later like five weeks later when I don't start bleeding I'm still surprised I'm pregnant I was like what you know surely it's not like surely it couldn't have been that easy it has to be harder you know that's how I thought in my head Mm. it has to take longer we can't conceive the first time that we thought we would you know god that's such a good Um, point of of the whole it's how the way it's been taught to me is upper limiting is just the the ways that we limit our accepting you know the highest quality of of our prayers and our dreams Mm, yeah yeah like it's too good to be true and, the whole concept and yet yeah. and he just <laughs> drifted on down and was like okay let's go you did your work you 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 know you got at me out of Indonesia you got settled <laughs> <laughs> and it's so beautiful yeah so I was pregnant and it was from the moment I really came to realize that I was pregnant i took a pregnancy I did do a pregnancy test I it was just normal it was just so less traumatic than our first experience it was just like of course I'm pregnant okay I'm pregnant like it's our son Hmm. what do we do now like it was just normal you know um but then what happened and I really do want to include this in my story was I went through probably five, leading that five weeks until finding out I was pregnant was definitely some of the most emotionally intense, low points of my life. I think if it felt like I was experiencing like a lot of physical symptoms and feeling ill when we were traveling in Indonesia. And then I came home and being in a really quiet spot allowed a lot of things to surface. I then conceived our son and all of a sudden I was just on this crazy emotional roller coaster and I feel like he was showing me things, like lessons that needed to surface and his like presence in our lives was like encouraging us to grow and to see things that needed to be seen and it was a really yeah I'll just say it was a really like low time where I honestly was just like how do I be a human (laughs) what is this life and I questioned a lot of things and I feel like I was completely stripped of who I thought I was my whole identity sort of began dissolving and I was just like what is this life? What is real? Like, who am I? 
And do um, you think this spiritual this spiritual work was was coming forth because of your son or or just where you were at in your life or or what? I mean, I can't know for sure, but I really feel like it was coming forth with him. Mm-hmm. With like, he was like and, deal with this shit. Yeah, like I'm. I don't want to hang out here for the next nine months when you <laughs> like deal with it. So I felt very. I felt lonely actually, um, and since that sort of realization and that feeling, I really have come to that like loneliness for me was sort of a lack of love for myself almost like I couldn't be with myself um like I needed to be and so I a lot of work on exploring all of these feelings and sort of making peace and it was definitely the deepest I've ever gone into meditation um and I was meditating a lot in my early pregnancy I'm like you know a few times a day and that's where I would sort of find a lot of peace and calm and it took I'd say like six or seven weeks for me to sort of really come out of this place where I could start I started feeling human again (laughs) like I could converse with other people um be around people that weren't yeah it was interesting because we work solely online and we document and share our lives really online and so it was it was an interesting time so then when you were so you're in this position of your job being essentially to be the opposite of what you're going through right is your job was to be public and to include your fans or followers in your life and yet that didn't really correlate to this deep spiritual experience you're going through so how did you navigate that like did you just not talk about it or did you include it into your online platform I think I didn't talk about it much and I mean, people noticed though. It was, Mm. people could sense that there was something going on. Um, But I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't understand what was really happening. There was times when I was like, have I completely lost my mind? Like, am I crazy? Like what is going on? And I wasn't ready to talk about it. So I sort of really only dealt with it by taking a bit of a step back and doing much less online and and just giving myself time. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was sort of the start of the pregnancy that rocked me. (laughs) Um, And then we, in that time (laughs) during pregnancy, we bought a bus. and knew that we would move into this bus and carry on traveling um, during the pregnancy. And I was excited about that. Like I'm definitely there's something a traveler at heart or something. And that was my dream pregnancy, really, to just travel slowly down the coast with Chris and Aya mm. and just enjoy being pregnant and just take it really slow. 
Um, but turns out, you know, building essentially a tiny house in a bus mm-hmm. is actually a little stressful and took, <laughs> took much longer than we anticipated. Um, but we ended up, so we spent a bit of time with like my parents whilst the bus got built and eventually we moved into the bus and I'm not sure, I think I was about 25 weeks pregnant at this stage. Oh, wow. At what point in your pregnancy are you like, I'm free birthing? Hmm. I've definitely thought about this and tried to remember if there was ever a, a moment that we decided, oh, we're going to free birth or something like that. And honestly, it never feels like something that we decided upon. And I know that might sound silly. It was just, I asked Chris the other day, like, did we have a chat about that, that we were just going to free birth or whatever? And he's like, I think we sort of just knew that it was just going to be us. and. Mm. But the prenatal care, I hadn't seen anyone. Um, So you were just kind of going along with it or were you like, I am having a wild pregnancy, even if you didn't have that languaging, like, were you like, I don't want to go to anyone else for this pregnancy or were you just kind of taking it week by week? No, I didn't want to go and see anyone because I didn't feel like I needed to and if there was a point where I felt I needed some sort of support that I wasn't getting I would have you know sought out support or help but I just didn't feel like I needed it at at all and my experience having it previously I was like I probably I didn't need it then either and so I just really was very trusting this time around and I just knew myself and I knew I could trust myself. And if I needed anything, I could go and get it. But I right. didn't need, I didn't feel like I needed, you know, prenatal care simply because that's what's sort of done. At this stage as well, I never heard the term free birth. I didn't know that it was a thing. I wasn't a part of any sort of online communities I hadn't spoken to anyone who had ever free birthed. So I think I knew what we wanted to do, but like you said, we just didn't have the language. Like we didn't have the terms. Um, Yeah. And the same with like a wild pregnancy. I just thought there was a part of me that once again felt some level of shame about our decision. Like we, we were doing I knew in my heart was right, but it would be perceived as wrong. So, yeah, throughout the whole pregnancy, I felt, apart from that first trimester when I went through, I really, I don't know if it was a mental breakdown, a spiritual awakening, I don't know what it was, maybe both. Um, I was feeling really good, really, really good in myself, super healthy, um, just so happy and well throughout that pregnancy because I knew that we were going to be having the baby just us without midwife I was actually starting to think when am I going to get to the point where I have to research everything to understand (laughs) everything that could go wrong and have you know is that something that I have to do because it would be irresponsible if I don't feel like that um I went through a stage of that and I'd never had this feeling where I needed to go and research every 
possible outcome that could go wrong or I didn't have that fear that something was going to go wrong. In my heart I was just like it's going to be amazing and perfect and I know our baby's healthy. I just could picture it so vividly. Um, So when I was in the bus I started to want to mentally prepare myself for the labour, I suppose, and I've been doing that throughout most of the pregnancy and for me that was just really like meditating a lot and visualizing our birth and just the feeling that we just the feeling around giving birth and the environment would be in and how it would unfold and who would be there and just visualizing and picturing our baby just being born um just healthy and strong and that was a lot of my preparation really and Chris and I would talk about it a lot in terms of what it would be like and would really just try to raise each other's energy around giving birth and support and just so we felt really confident and supported and excited to give birth um it was also during my pregnancy, this is all later on in pregnancy, it was happening a lot more. Um, Chris was reading some books that were really resonating with him and there was quite a bit of stuff about um, giving birth and raising children and stuff like that and it really um, fitted into where we were at and how he wanted to raise his own children. And so I feel like it was just... Once again, so many synchronistic things were happening during my birth, uh, my pregnancy that sort of put us in the right direction and we felt support and like support would show up when we needed it in different forms and different lessons and it was a real journey for us, my pregnancy, for Chris and myself, truly. Um, and basically towards the end of pregnancy, we just felt so strong and confident in our decisions during that pregnancy my decisions and in our ability to birth our son we just felt so good and confident about it um well and I love the simplicity of it because you know for some women there's a really long complicated road to choosing um what obviously to us is just normal natural birth And it actually takes more effort in some ways to add people to it, right? Like birth will happen, right? Period. Like no one one Mm. gets out of birth. If you're pregnant and you carry a viable pregnancy to term, birth will occur. And so the extra effort is actually to to choose to leave your home or to choose to go out and find people um, that you don't know, you know, to attend your birth and to include them and to pay them. And all of that is great if that's what's um, intuitive and, and that's a person's choice. But I love the simplicity of free birth because it's obviously just birth. Um, and, and it's like birth back to basics, you know, like, don't feel like you have to have like some big explanation of why you chose free birth. I really love how, simple it was for you and your partner that um, you saw, you experienced birth with midwives and it um, left you feeling, you know, less than with, with that particular arrangement. And, um, and you love giving birth and you have a wonderful supportive partner and um, 
you were super conscious and tuned in with your baby and your body and your health and your family and your family's wisdom and your body's wisdom. And it just wasn't a very complicated decision to just have your baby, you know, and just keep it so simple. I, I, I'm really appreciating that. Yeah. That really summarizes how it was for us. It was Mm -hmm. just normal. That, that word has come up so frequently for me, just so normal. Why is it so normal? It just feels (laughs) easy. Um, so yeah, that's sort of how we prepared for birth, to be honest. And Uh I didn't have any fears around birth. Truly. I was just, it'll be awesome. That's how I felt in my head. Chris felt exactly the same. And he was excited. If we were just excited to get to experience, you know, meeting our child, another child that we conceived. It's just so incredible. And we were just, just felt really excited. The only fears I had, and I suppose like negative feelings were about how it would be perceived by other people and how I would navigate sharing if I decided to, or other people's energy and fears being projected towards us. I was really sensitive to that. And so I kept pretty quiet about what we were doing. I didn't want anyone to really know. Well, especially with uh, such a public a public life. Yeah, that's that's perfectly understandable. Absolutely. I mean, and it's the internet. So it's not, it's not even, you know, choosing to be public about it in your like small in-person community in your town or something, which also comes with its own potential dangers and sensitivities. But, but the, for the world wide web to, you know, to know this and to be so open to that um, trolling and criticism and fear mongering prior when you're in such a sensitive, um, and sh- and rightfully so protective space um and so i'm wondering like did cuz that is interesting with with your job and with with kind of the role you're carrying in your life right now did it feel was it challenging to kind of compartmentalize that and keep that out of what you shared or did it just feel very natural that like this is our private piece and then this is what we share publicly yeah it was a it was a little hard to navigate initially. And then I sort of decided I need to put some, you know, boundaries up here because I need to protect this space and I cannot let people's fears and fear mongering really um, affect me. I, I can't. And so pretty early on, I was just like, this is what I will share. This is what I won't share. And there's, this is how it's going to be sort of thing. What I also experienced through, you know, having a public platform where we share our lives um, and also experiencing pregnancy and needing to protect our space, I also felt kind of sad that I didn't feel like I could share because it did feel like the most normal thing in the world. And I was just, we were healthy, happy, having a baby and... I wanted to be able to share, but I felt like I couldn't because it felt like what we were doing was too extreme. And meanwhile, I would see people online that were, you know, the similar stage in their pregnancies um, sharing 
all of this sort of stuff about you know getting frequently getting scans and then in the lead up to um around the time it was you know their due date or whatever um getting all sorts of interventions and things like that and I was just a little sad that I felt I couldn't share but their stories were just so normal Hmm. um that it was just embraced and just treated like completely normal um Mm -hmm. but ours was like a little too extreme which Mm -hmm. I don't know Maybe oh, I yeah. could Welcome have shared. To my world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. Totally, yeah. When I started, I started listening to your podcast when I, just before we moved into the bus, because I remember I was sewing curtains for the bus and I was at my parents' house. And so I would just have your podcast on repeat, like just going through all the episodes as I was sewing curtains in my parents' living room. And so I think that's probably when they realized that I was free birthing. <laughs> They're like, we've um, noticed they- that you've listened to 85 episodes of women free birthing. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but yeah, that's, they were obviously, they're just like super supportive, but okay. I'm probably I'm pretty sure that's probably when they realized I was free birthing yeah yeah with the scans this time around I was unsure of what I needed it for really like what it would change and I didn't do a crazy amount of research or anything like that I just didn't feel like it's something I wanted to do and also just the name ultrasound (laughs) I looked at it a little differently this time I was like oh ultrasound I was like that's not I don't know if that sounds good. I mm-hmm. like, Is that something I need as well? Like what would it change in any of my decisions? And it would have changed nothing. And mm. so I decided, yeah, not to have them this time. I love that. So you implied inquiry to these choices and then made an intuitive decision because you are an adult, you know, that is able to make those decisions. And, and that's, you know, that, that's really what free birth is about. You know, that's what living with authority as an adult is about that you actually don't have to be well-researched. You don't have to explain your decisions to anybody because you're an adult and you get to make your own decisions about your body. It's, that's a human right. And in most places, a, a, a legal right, you know, so I love that you're highlighting that you didn't necessarily do a ton of research or read a ton of books. It, it, and it really just speaks to the point that, so what, that, that doesn't even matter. You, that would really, it sounds like be rooted in justifying your decisions and you do not need any other, um, any other reason other than it was intuitive to me. And that is enough. And, and I really hear you on the sadness that came with, um, making the very wise decision to withhold these intuitive choices about your life to the public, um, you know, you were very wise to make that decision and in an effort of self-protection. Um, but, you know, to your point, you know, that you needed to, um, or that rather that you were feeling really sad, what witnessing these other people getting, um, you know, getting to celebrate their ultrasounds and their um, whatever, their inductions and their due dates and all of this stuff that actually, um, 
you know, holds great, great, great risk that no one's talking about. And yet we're witnessing an entire culture romanticizing the interventions and the, um, the just sabotage of normal physiological birth. And here you are, um, committing to that and having to, or experiencing what, you know, most of us experience is experiencing the silencing of that. And it is, it's so ass backwards and it, it, it's understandably sad, you know, it should be sad because it is sad. And, you know, what I am so excited about of you then working through that and, and having your epic euphoric birth and now sharing in that and now celebrating that in a different space that's far more appropriate um, because mm. you don't have to self-protect in the same way and, um, and getting to, and this episode is a part of that, just like you sharing your beautiful video on YouTube and, um, you know, being this public persona, um, getting to walk in the light of you choosing to celebrate your choices and, um, you know, and we'll get to that in a minute of how it was received. But yeah, I, I really, I hear what you're saying. Mm, yeah, I can imagine that you have gone through a lot by just <laughs> this podcast and the platform. I couldn't even imagine. I really honestly thought about that gave me strength, truly, when I sat with what you are doing and how powerful and important it is, but how much strength it must take. And I was like, okay, I can do this. Like, I can, like I've got, I'm doing nothing compared to this. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Good, good. I'm glad. And that's, that's what we're all here for, right? Is to inspire each other and to share and hold each other's wisdom and inspire each other in our strengths and in, and in what we're doing. And so, you know, you've inspired me in many ways and, and it goes both ways. And it's just so um, like, this is what it should be. This is how women uh, lift each other up, you know, is to, is to seek the strength and wisdom from each other and to give that to each other, which mm-hmm. we're totally doing. So, um, yeah, thank you for that reflection. And, and I'd love to move towards um, the birth of your son. Yeah. So leading into going into labor, there was actually, I mentioned earlier that I didn't really have any fear about giving birth, but the fears that I did have were around either one, going into labor early, like when I didn't feel comfortable, like something had gone wrong sort of thing, or going into labor like at forty past 43 weeks or something where I was like, I would start to feel, what if I need to see someone? Mm. They were my fears about um, it all. So I was 41 weeks pregnant when I went into labor. Like I started, I knew that labor was going like close and it was, I woke up sort of at 2 a.m. And I just knew that labor was coming. I was a bit, little bit crampy and stuff. And so I sort of got up because I was excited. I'm like, oh, something's going on. <laughs> and I I told Chris um, that I was feeling like labor was going to start. And so he sort of instantly woke right up. He's like, should I feel the birth pool up? I was <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> Slow down, buddy. Down. <laughs> so eventually he went back to sleep and I just ate. I was pretty hungry. That's why I woke up. And then I also <laughs> went back to sleep. <laughs> 
Um, so I went back to bed as well and slept for a couple of hours. Uh, actually, before I get right into it, mm-hmm. my sister was here. So during my, lab- my pregnancy, Chris and I both had this vision. It was just three of us, Aya, Chris and I at the birth. That was just sort of a dream of ours. And then a couple of months before giving birth, I started to really think about what it would be like for Aya and if she would like to have some support there. And just because I didn't think I could be completely present in myself thinking if she was asleep in a different room or something like that it just wouldn't sit well with me because she sleeps with us and I cuddle her all night and if she woke up and we weren't there it would she'd be upset Mm -hmm. so just not knowing when I would be in labor and stuff like that I started to entertain the idea of asking my sister to be at the birth and so the night before, the day before I went into labor, I was really emotional and I had rung my sister. I just said to her, look, I want you to come out. Like if you're free, can you come out and just be with Aya a little bit because my daughter absolutely adores my sister. Mm. I, and like I'd asked Aya if she could have anyone with her at the birth, who would she love to play with the most and who would she maybe like to be able to sleep with if she had to sleep with someone or cuddle, you know. And she said my sister. So, and I knew she would. That's, <laughs> That's so she, my cute. Sister's like the, yeah. My sister's like the closest person to our family. Like we're really close with her. So it just felt right. And, and she didn't blink so an day- eye at your plans to birth unassisted? Not at all, No. But- she was just completely supportive, didn't question it like it was at, at all. She was just like, okay, that sounds amazing. I'd love to be there, basically. Um, she did read, actually, the Ina Mae Gaskin Guide to Childbirth. Um, she read that book in my last month of pregnancy, I think, just to have a bit of an idea of what it's like to give birth maybe. And I think she really enjoyed reading that book. But she was just completely supportive and trusting of everything. So the day before I went into labor, she'd actually come out to spend some time with Aya so that Chris and I could have a bit of time together because I was really emotional and I was obviously probably, you know, preparing to go into labor, but didn't really know it. And so she was here. She just was here that night when I went like when I woke up at 2am, she was here. So we woke up, the day began and it was just perfect because she was already here and we were just like, okay, we're giving birth today. Today is the day. It was nice. It was just easy. So to get everything going, Chris and I went for a really long walk together um, and my contractions sort of started getting more consistent and we came home, we all had breakfast and we spoke to Aya lots about like the baby was coming and she was so excited and yeah it was just a really normal day we had been living in a we got an airbnb since i was i think 33 or 34 weeks 33 weeks pregnant we moved into a house and we rented it for two months so we're in here i think nearly a month before 
uh, we gave birth and we spent a bit of time actually looking for a perfect place. It was really important to us. We just wanted somewhere very private in nature, surrounded by trees and just beauty really um, because just having that sort of environment, I know, that just seemed important to us. Um, mm-hmm. We wanted him to be just birthed into just the most beautiful place that we could picture, you know, like a really a space of loving energy. And so, yeah, we, we got this place and a month into our stay here, I went into labour. So, yeah, it was just a really normal day. We went for a walk in the morning um, and contractions started getting quite consistent and then back at home my sister and um Aya were just playing together all day and it was just so nice she would just come out and be with us whenever she wanted to and she knew that she could just come out at any time and then she was just I knew she was really safe and happy playing with my sister she could relax it was just it was so relaxing I was just so at peace with where Aya was and stuff like that, which was super important. I couldn't have been present in labour whilst I was also worried if she was okay. Um, but we'd set up a birth pool out on our deck and it was probably around 10 or 11 in the morning and I said to Chris, maybe fill it up and I'll probably spend most of my labour out here because I was thinking, oh, it might be ages off. Um, I might have a bath or shower if I need to, but it was just so beautiful out there. I was like, oh, let's just hang out out here mm-hmm. and um, see how we go. So he set that up and we sort of set up a bit of a space out there and I was getting to a point around that time where I just wanted to really focus more and I didn't really want to be like chit-chatty with um, Ayer or anything like that. I just needed to sort of calm down and focus on what was going on. So we just sort of got into it really. I, this labor, I, with every contraction, this labor, I was like, I open, I, the stronger, the better I'm opening, I surrender. And there wasn't the fear there that was surrounding like pain and stuff the first time with Aya like it was I was scared because it was getting so intense I was like where is this gonna go like whoa this is too much and so I think I mentioned I felt like I was holding on a little bit but this time I was just determined to be like just go with it as much as I possibly could so yeah that's what I did and once again just very normal is how I would Hmm. describe it it's going to be the name of your episode. <laughs> Truly. It was normal. <laughs> um, yeah, labor just progressed, got more and more intense. It was mainly just Chris and I out there the whole time. We were just listening to music. He meditated next to the pool quite a bit, which was really interesting because when he started doing that, I remember I sat up. I'd had my eyes closed and I was just like, what are you doing? Because my contractions honestly got longer in duration but less intense in a way. But I, I, I truly, I felt like I knew he was, he was doing something and when I looked over, he's like, was meditating and he was really picturing like sending me and the baby like loving energy and like light and 
just really sending us um, his energy and support, I suppose. And I felt like I really felt that. It was a super nice part of the labour. But, yeah, it was just really peaceful out there and every now and then I'd get out of the pool and just go for a little walk because it really progressed my labour, walking. Um, So I thought, like, let's do this, let's do this, and I'd go for a walk or hang off like some gymnastic rings we had out on the deck there and it got before I knew it it got really intense um pretty quickly I didn't keep track of time and I didn't uh time any of the contractions or anything like that um we just sort of went with it so in this time my daughter is coming out and so she got to see like it was progressing and I was also somewhat in denial the whole labour that I was in labour and this was happening and I was going to have the baby. I think it was sort of like a way for me to try to be mentally prepared for a longer labour in a way. I was like, I remember saying to my sister she'd come out um, and I was heavily in labour and I said to her, Mina, I'm in labour, right? This is (laughs) labour. She was like, she looked at me and she sort of laughed. She was like, if if you're not in labor, this is literally the most bizarre thing I have yeah. ever seen in my like, life. What is wrong <laughs> with you if you're not? <laughs> so it's like, okay, okay, this is labor. I just kept saying to Chris, like, it could be long. Like, I was just really trying to mentally prepare in some ways for it to be longer well, and how, not giving birth today. How long was your first birth? If 15 hours. Okay. Gotcha. And and I said this whole time, I'm like, I know this labor is going to be shorter. Like I was guessing around six hours, seven hours. So I don't know what I was doing, but I was in denial to some degree. And, <laughs> and it got to the point where wind up being? Uh, we think about six hours <laughs> in total. Yeah. <laughs> it got to the point that. It got to the point where contractions are just on top of each other. I really wasn't getting much of a break, but I was still really there much more so than with my daughters. I was like in this other place with her and with him, I was really aware of what was going on and I could have a chat still and I don't know. And I said to Chris, all of a sudden I'm like, all right, and I'm done with this. I'm not into this. I don't know about this. Like, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> and he's like, he was like, I think, is this, I think you told me this is transitioning. I think you're transitioning. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, babe, I'm not in transition. This is like, I've got so much longer to go. He's like, really? He's like, I feel like you're at the end. Like, I feel like he's going to be here soon. I was like, uh, no, no, that's ridiculous. Well, yeah, I was transitioning and um, not long after that I was mid-contraction and all of a sudden I felt like the need to push. Um, actually, just prior to that happening, Chris had got a mirror and put it under me so I could um, see and that helped me so much. It was just almost like this shift in perspective where I was seeing things happening. It wasn't just a feeling. I was truly actually opening and I could feel myself opening, but to see it with my eyes was amazing and something that I hadn't done with my first. And 
I absolutely loved that. And it really helped me to stay focused. So yeah, I was mid-contraction and then, oh no, sorry, with that mirror, we saw uh, my waters sort of come out a little and then pop. Um, And that was so cool. We were just like, Chris and I both just like looking into the mirror when that happened. And I remember just like, (laughs) yeah, that was really cool. And then, yeah, not too long after that, I started getting the urge to push. And from that moment of needing to push, I couldn't, I could hardly make a sound. I just, everything was just silent and I was so internal. I could just, it was the coolest feeling ever. I could just feel exactly where he was and what was going on. And as intense as it was, I, it was incredible to just feel your child being born so aware of everything that was going on in my body. And I love that stage of labor. Like I really enjoy the pushing stage. <laughs> um, and yeah, at that time, my sister said they were actually watching a movie and my daughter doesn't often get to watch movies. And when she does, oh my gosh, she, you cannot get her away. She's like just sucked into this little vortex. Um, and so she actually just stopped the movie and said to my sister, oh, we have to go and see mommy now. And so <laughs> Mina was like, she was like, oh okay and they came out and it was I just started needing to push and they needed to be there um if they wanted to see uh the birth so she just knew and mm-hmm. she came out and yeah we there's a you can see in the video our birthing video she was so supportive and it was awesome to have her there mm. I just felt so incredibly supported by the people that were there and just so safe everything was just right and it just felt good and it was probably 10 minutes maybe needing to push um when he like his head came out and I didn't have like the ring of fire or anything this time. It was just, he was much bigger as well than my daughter. But once again, it was just uneventful. Yeah, normal. (laughs) He just, yeah, his head came out. And then Chris and Aya climbed into the pool because we sort of had spoken a little bit about, like we wanted to catch him together. Um, We wanted to like welcome him, the three of us. And, yeah, he was born into the water and we sort of brought him up onto my chest and we just met him and that was that, really. Um, it, was, it was so nice and so calm. Mm-hmm. There was no, and just not having other people there, like the midwife um, just running over or like rubbing him and being you know, just so involved, like, with our daughter. This was just so calm and we sort of, I sat in the pool for a while with him. He just fell back asleep. Like, after he was born, he just carried on sleeping. (laughs) I was like, hey, you want to, like, say hello or anything? And he didn't. 
I just want to play. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I hope you know people who listen to this will will seek out your your beautiful birth video that you shared, or or maybe we can share it under Free Birth Society as well, so that people can find it. Um, because that you know your 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 sharing of that video and taking us to that sacred sacred moment when he's born um, was profound to me for a couple of reasons. Um, one, the inclusion of your daughter is so huge, you know, and, and like you just described, it wasn't forced. It was just an invitation and she was totally welcomed and, um, that you were totally open to it and that she, um, at a very young age, you know, held the space with you guys. Um, as I have seen consistently, I've never, ever attended a birth where children didn't, know how to kind of handle it. You know, they just at all ages are just so intuitive and so sweet and, um, and like your daughter kind of pop in and out, you know, and then, um, sometimes are present for the actual emergence and sometimes not. Um, but I, I love the inclusion of her, um, because we just don't see it enough. And obviously the way that hospital birth compartmentalizes, you know, the, the whole, process, you know, so the majority of children, older siblings are being brought a child to their home and being completely excluded from this massive, massive ritual in a family. Um, so I loved that Mm. so much. And then, and then the other piece is, um, when he emerged, I'm totally recalling it in my mind right now, when he emerged, um, your calmness, your partner's calmness, your daughter's calmness, um, even the nature, you know, that you were surrounded in calmness, um, and that nobody spoke, you know, and that the way that he came out and the way that your energy of calm just radiated in, in that video. Um, and that he didn't come out screaming, crying, you know, immediately making all this noise or, um, all of these kind of quintessential things like you think you're supposed to see um, when we see in media that in fact um, he was very calm and quiet from what I can remember in those, that first, you know, immediate, Mm -hmm. immediate, immediate postpartum and that um, nobody even said anything. Maybe your daughter did very sweetly, but it was just the epitome of calm transformation of, of his transition. Um, yeah. And that, that was my big takeaway was the inclusion of her and the just radiating calmness that he was brought into primarily from you. Like you were the, of course, central, uh, player in the entire thing, obviously. Um, and then that your family so honored and intuitively knew how to support that calmness that you were radiating first and foremost. And so everyone responded to that. Um, it was just so beautiful. Yeah, it was really nice. And I wanted it to be like that for him. I just thought, you know, what is the most beautiful, peaceful way that he could come into the world? And I thought, you know, with his family in a space of love, like with nature and just calmly. And so it was definitely something I'd thought about going into um giving birth to him that I just wanted it to be a calm space for him um nailed it and 
<laughs> I was grateful that yeah it it went like that um it's funny my part like Chris is really very calming relaxed person and mm-hmm. I'm a little more like a little more dramatic and sassy I'd say and I'd feel like my daughter's like a little dramatic and she was born how she Mm-hmm. you know how I'd imagine her being born and I'd always known our like our son was just going to be more like Chris and just very calm little mm-hmm. guy and I just felt that so strongly so I was like that's how he wanted to be born and that's how Chris would choose to be born and how right. Aya was born like she, I, I would have been born like her like a little more dramatic <laughs> <laughs> that's cute um yeah and so how but yeah so yeah can you tell us a bit about the birth of your placenta? Yeah. I was a little nervous to birth the placenta because I found it quite hard uh, with Ayana and I wasn't ready for those contractions again. I didn't know it was going to be like that. And I've heard some people speak about just like, you know, it's sliding out or whatever. And it was quite intense the first time. Um, so with him, I was like not looking forward to it and we'd gotten out of the pool and we were in bed for a while. He'd had his first feed there and I thought, okay, it's probably time to birth the placenta. And so we sort of all went into the bathroom. It'd probably be about 45 minutes after he was born, maybe an hour. And I just squatted over, uh, like a big bowl and I just said like I release I release and then the placenta sort of slowly came out and that was that um we had planned on having a lotus birth um and so Chris cleaned the placenta like rinsed it and um, put it into like a draining bowl um, mm-hmm. with him, and I had a quick I had a quick shower with my daughter, and we came out and sort of wrapped up the placenta. No, no, we left it in the bowl to drain, and yeah, I thought we'd have a full lotus birth. And that night, you know, when we were trying to put our daughter to sleep, and it was not convenient yeah to have to totally. <laughs> let's just say that and yeah. I said to Chris, yeah I just said to Chris then I was like I don't know if I can do this like, I don't know if it's worth the extra stress having you know a three-year-old and it with the placenta still there and trying to navigate how I could care for him as well as I wanted to when mm-hmm. I yeah and Chris really felt like I don't know it was Chris was like you told me that it was going to be difficult and you told me that you're impatient and that I should try to reassure you that we can get through it (laughs) (laughs) and I was like I hate you stop talking I take it all back Um, (laughs) but also what's the point I mean I don't know I guess what's the point if it if it does cross the threshold which it doesn't always I've known many women who have done lotus birth and and didn't find it inconvenient and I had the same experience as you 
uh, I had intended for that. And then after about mm, like 11, 12 hours, I was like, well, okay, I, f- I think we're done here. <laughs> and the, the logistics yeah. of it were not um, conducive to, to how, yeah, how things needed to be. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I think when you, when you cross, if you cross the threshold into it being annoying, then is it really worth, like if the energy is there already that it's annoying, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I really agree for us. I agree with that. And and we ended up, he was, had his placenta attached for uh, just shy of three days. Um, we went with it because I just felt like, you know, if I wanted to give him that time, but at the same Oh, so he talked you back into it. Oh, so he was, Chris was like, how about we, (laughs) Chris was like, how about we try to get through tonight? And I was like, easy for you to say. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're like, I'm bleeding, I'm breastfeeding. I've got like three-year-old like attached to me as well. And we got through the night and then the next morning straight away when we woke up I was like okay I think I want to burn the cord like let's burn the cord I don't think I don't want to do another night like that I just didn't feel like I could care for him as well as I wanted to and as best as I could you know I just it was just harder and then the day came and Chris was like well maybe we could just try to get through today I think the day would be easier and so it was and we got through the day and I was like, well, we could just go tonight as well. And Chris was like, yeah, we could get through tonight. Then it might be only one more day. But I just didn't want it to be like that. I didn't want it to be right. something we had to get through. But you know? why was it so important to him? I just think that he, his, from his perspective, I think he views like our children or babies in general as just like, we just have to completely honor them and they're just like the most divine things in this whole world like we like our teachers and always and like he was sort of thinking like maybe we need to give him that time to like it would be the most gentle way for him to come into this world but from my perspective it was sort of like yeah but like it's stressing me out and I'm his mother and maybe it's not the best thing like maybe anyway so we got it was like two and a half days into it and Chris had cleaned the um umbilical cord the night before and he put a drop of like frankincense oil or something in the water anyway his umbilical cord got so hard is that normal like completely rock hard yeah yeah and so I just felt it was honestly dangerous it was nearly ready to come off yeah but he kicked it during the night it didn't come off but it was bleeding and that's the first time he'd ever cried Mm -hmm. and I got out of bed realized it was um his navel was bleeding and I was just like absolutely cannot keep doing this it did not feel right I got Chris up and I was like stressed I was like this is the first time he's ever cried like I cannot this I can't and so I ended up cutting his cord like it was completely dried up and um instantly honestly the energy changed I just was so much more relieved he was relieved like Chris even noticed that I am like our son was like 
something changed. And Chris just said to me straight away, he's like, oh my gosh, you made the right decision. That was exactly what you needed to do. (laughs) It's as if you knew because you had just birthed your baby (laughs) as if you had a maternal instinct that, you know, should have been centered, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I think as well, like in Chris's defense, like I'd said to him, like, look, this is probably going to be something that I like be like, okay, let's not do it once we'd started. Right. Maybe. And I was like, can you try to support me through it? Because I think, you know, I'd like to do this and stuff. So Chris probably had that in his head as well. Right. Like, no, you told me that you through this. But that's interesting <laughs> but, because it's not, it's not like it's birth. It's not like you were like in transition. If I say go to the hospital, you know, tell me, you know, it's like, it's <laughs> like you can be fluid with that. But yeah, I hear what you're saying that his, his intention, he obviously thought it was going to be the most peaceful thing. And you had already prefaced this with, I might, yeah. um, want to back out and and help support me to do it um yeah so it's not it's not to dog on him but at the same time like of course you knew and that is motherhood to be constantly flowing with what is available and and you know and and I just did an episode on this lotus birth does sound very romantic and I really resonate with the concept of it but in practicality it's just not for everybody um and that's just true, you know, and, and it is so beautiful and wonderful for some families. And it's also a total pain in the ass for other families. I totally agree. And I wouldn't personally probably choose to do that again, um, especially because I think we'll have one more child and um, I couldn't imagine doing Lotus birth with two kids. I know <laughs> that some people do it though and having great experiences, but I was just like, wow. No, you're obviously not doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, do, you know, having a very, it's all about doing whatever you do with reverence, you know? So you said, you know, Mm. your husband thinks, you know, babies are the most whatever sacred and, you know, light beings that we need to be gentle with. And absolutely a hundred percent. And there's, I don't think a cord burning ceremony, um, you know, where your daughter and you and your husband and, and then, you know, eventually now your son, cause he'll be older with your third, you know, you guys could absolutely do a very, very beautiful, sacred ceremonial um, ritual where all of you hold the beeswax candles over the cord and, and you thank the placenta and you tell the baby what's going to happen. I mean, that is so peaceful and, and beautiful. And, and where's that line? You know, it's not, um, I mean, I just did an episode on this. I even think throwing your placenta away in the trash can be done ritualistically and with with reverence and with honor, you know, if you don't have the option to bury or even the desire, like whatever you do, totally. you know, can be done with with total love and, and respect to this sweet little soul. And And, you know, you already know this, but I'm just going to reinforce this. You did give your baby the most peaceful, gentle entry into the world that is literally possible. Um, so you did that. Absolutely. Regardless that you burn the cord or even, even if you had cut the cord or whatever, you know, your intention with Lotus Birth was to give him the most gentle and peaceful entry and you a hundred percent did that yeah I I so agree about what you're saying about the energy surrounding like how you do what you do and your intention and yeah I think that for us the energy of doing the lotus birth and how much like additional stress that caused it was just not worth it for us totally Um, 
in the end. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, after we sort of sorted out the placenta and came down to the kitchen and my sister was making us dinner and we just literally carried on living our lives. Right. <laughs> I was like, it what's was normal? normal? <laughs> <laughs> and we told no one that, like, I'd gone into labour or anything like that, which was also just so nice to not have anyone you know waiting to hear if he'd been born or anything mm-hmm. like that or like checking in um so yeah that night we just sort of let our parents know and yeah we had dinner and we went to bed <laughs> that was it oh I love it oh it really doesn't get any better than that it's so good and then I guess the last yeah. thing where we've gone on for a while so I'll, I'll just close with this question um the last thing I was I was curious about was how has it felt to be open about, you know, you shared your birth video where there's clearly no midwife and it's clearly an outside at home, you know, birth. And um, it seemed from, from what little I saw, it seemed like the response was wonderful, but how has it felt for you uh, behind the scenes being the actual birthing woman who's put this out into the world um, what what has it felt like for you? I think the biggest thing for me was giving birth to him and then just feeling so reassured that I'd made the right decision and that was the biggest thing for me. Just I felt I could trust myself and I was right in doing so and so I wanted to share from that place in, where I felt really confident in my decisions, in how we decided to birth, mm-hmm. I I knew what we'd done was right. So then when I was to share, you know, other people's opinions couldn't really affect me so much when in, in myself I was like standing really strong and in our decisions and I knew we'd made the right ones. So mm-hmm. I wanted to share from that place and I was completely overwhelmed with um, the response we had from sharing that video. I've never had anything like that before um just literally thousands of women messaging me emailing me just saying um basically how grateful they were to see such a calm birth and that they didn't know birth could be like that and um it just was really reassuring and also just it's so nice you know it's it's nice to feel supported it's was a really great experience going through um, pregnancy and just keeping it really private and stuff. But also it's nice to have support networks and it would have been right. nice to have so many, you know, like, it, um, and so it was just, it was reassuring that we were doing the right thing um, and that it could, you know, if it could help someone else have a more gentle birth or, empowered birth then it was just like well that's really cool um I'm stoked that we could do that but yeah it feels good to just own something as well mm-hmm. um this is like our story and the, our experience and it's important and the more that I'm learning about birth and my own experiences and I just I don't know if there's much more important things to talk about than how we birth our children and I just think it's incredibly like healing as a society and that trauma begins often at 
birth and that mm-hmm. we can like heal that together and it's so important it's so so important so it's nice to be sharing things that I feel are truly um you know impactful yeah paradigm shifting oh my god I mean Mm -hmm. it's it's why I'm in this work I mean you just birthed a future man you know in your power Mm -hmm. in your instinct you know breastfed him and and gave him a gentle entry um the the what's the right word the consequences of not birthing future men in a gentle woman-centered um environment is so fucking dangerous you know like mm. it's it's why i do this you know it, it's it's yes it is impactful it is paradigm shifting it is actually imperative to our emotional and and physical survival on this planet to move out of the warrior you know paradigm and into a matriarchal um you know love health balance peace you know all of the stuff that that we're working towards and that we know about it absolutely starts in birth and and in pregnancy and it's cyclical cyclical right because when a woman uh feels centered and powerful and and able safe enough to be in her instinct and in her intuition um and supported to be in that she will um she will mother in such a way that actually supports the biological imperatives of, um, you know, of, of not just survival, but of thriving. I so feel that. Yeah. It's a very big deal. And I'm, I'm so grateful to you, um, and to, to all women who are willing to be, um, vocal about these choices because we're up against, a lot. (laughs) We're up against a lot, you know, and a lot of fear and a lot of, a lot of, um, ignorance and, um, a lot of, you know, just blatant misogyny. And so, you know, women like you are our lighthouses that you were, um, you know, willing and able and in an environment and, and all of this stuff that you had, the family dynamic and, and everything to birth in a beautiful, powerful way, and then share that with the world. And I really like what you just spoke about, how you said after the birth, you were so um, secure in your decision and knowing that it was the right one that you felt ready to share. And that's exactly right. And that's, that's what i felt in my pregnancy. And, and I talk about this with Yolanda a lot, um, that when you're really solid period, when you're really solid in your decisions, in your life, when you're truly in your power and in your authenticity, when you're really comfortable with that, nothing shakes you, right? Because mm. you make the trans the transition from living, um, you know, for outside validation to having actually figured out how to cultivate it within yourself and within your family dynamic. And you did that right? You did the fucking work. You sat with that darkness and the intensity and the, all of the stuff that this, you know, bright sun brought into your life in that beginning part of your pregnancy. And, um, you know, all of the work that you and your partner have done to create the life that you have, um, and the birth that you did. And, you know, all of this, it's like, of course, nothing can shake that now because you found your truth, Nobody can tell you that what you did was irresponsible because you are living in the aftermath of birthing in power, right? And so now you're fucking unshakable. 
right? And so you now have <laughs> completely um, rebirthed yourself as a powerful woman in the world. Not that you weren't before, but that you ev- you are even more so. And this is why birth is so intentionally oppressed, harmed, and sabotaged, and you know, drugged up and and kept. Uh, from our hands, because if women were walking around in the masses feeling like you and I do, holy shit, right? Like it would be fundamentally destructive to patriarchy because we are living, right? And in our power and our truth and our authenticity um, and radiating that life to the people around us. And that is inherently dangerous to a culture that, um, that, that is actually systematically created to keep that light down in women. And so I'm so appreciative of you telling um, your story today and, and so excited for where the story will go around the world um, because it is, it is a, an important story. And also, as we've said, the theme of this call, it's also the most normal birth story um, mm-hmm. because that it is normal, right? It is normal to birth a beautiful, optimal, wonderful birth. It's normal to feel great after birth. It's normal to heal after birth. Um, all of this stuff, you know, needs to be re-remembered by, um, by women around the planet that what you experienced and what I experienced is normal. Is it common? Nope. But is it normal? Yes. And that's what we're reclaiming. Yeah. It's, um, definitely something that even now having gone through that experience that I'm just really honestly starting to come to terms with myself just like the layers of my own conditioning and how I've perceived um birth and motherhood and all sorts of things I'm really still just seeing how deep this goes how like the fear and conditioning and silencing of Mm -hmm. women um and it's it's yeah it's definitely it's full on so i am i'm super grateful for the experience myself but also for yeah things like this podcast and stuff where people are sharing their stories because it's so important that we do that otherwise you know the message doesn't really spread and right yeah awesome Well, thank you so much and congratulations on your beautiful son. And I'm just in awe of your intuition and um, it's just so beautiful. It's so, so beautiful and so normal. And and thank you for your voice. Oh, thank you so much, Emily. And yeah, it's been, it's so nice to talk to you on here. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.